Greetings and welcome back to the DCS One Community Podcast. I'm Brian Tooks, Director of External Affairs for the Georgia Department of Community Supervision. Our topic today discusses DCS in the virtual environment. Uh, leveraging technology is just a huge part of the cult of the agency culture here at for DCS. And this podcast discussion today will just uh, focus on how our reliance on technology helped us find success in an increasing virtual environment and culture. I'm joined today by four uh, very strong participants. We have uh, with us Dr. Nick Powell, who is perhaps the biggest Hawks fan at DCS. Um, he is our Director of Strategic Planning and Research. We have uh, Ms. Lynn Baker. She's our District Director for District 2. Uh, Ms. Sherry Bloodworth, who is our Director of the Risk Citizen Reduction Unit here at DCS. And CSO3 Bradley Fleming, who is a sex offender officer out of the Northeastern Judicial Circuit. Uh, greetings, everybody. How are y'all doing this morning? Hi, Brian. I'm doing good. Thanks for having us. No problem. Thank y'all for uh, for joining this morning. Um, Nick, we'll go ahead and kick it off and uh, start it with you. And again, you know, everybody, just feel free to jump in wherever. But, uh, you know, DCS statewide usage of the Google Hangout and our Google platform has continued to skyrocket. Um, you know, and that really suggests that officers and employees are, were one, quickly able to adjust to uh, the virtual environment, but it really speaks to just truly, you know, how we were well prepared, especially uh, given the pandemic that is upon us, uh, you know, to, to continue in our service delivery uh, in a very effective and efficient manner. And, you know, a few months ago, you con conducted uh, what's called a pulse survey to gauge how supervisees were perceiving the use of video interactions as a means to communicate with uh, their officers. And again, when we talk about the virtual environment, uh, you know, DCS uh, is very well prepared for this environment when it comes to leveraging technology. And these video interactions with offenders um, has definitely been one of the mainstays of how we've, you know, been able to be effective uh, throughout this pandemic and our reliance on technology. So Nick, if you could just discuss uh, the supervisee uh, poll survey, and just some insights that you've gleaned from that. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to uh, thank you for getting uh, my introduction correct. Um, people, <laughs> people usually get my, my title right, but they forget the Hawks part. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and like you, like you said, you're spot on, Brian, as far as um, how we were kind of well positioned um, when the pandemic started to leverage technology. Thanks to all the work that uh, field ops and IT have already done, um, we had we had implemented the use of video interactions last year. And um, and the pandemic just kind of accelerated the use of this technology. So when we started ramping it up. The, the Pulse survey was an idea to um, to see how the people on our caseloads, the people we supervise, were actually receiving the technology, right? We could we could easily see that we were gaining efficiencies on our end, but you know, if the whole the whole purpose is is to promote success and, and provide opportunities for success, then you know, if it wasn't uh, convenient, comfortable, or meaningful um, for supervisees, then you know, those gains in efficiency were were kind of uh, irrelevant. So just a little background. So the, the use of the video interactions stemmed from um, two things. One thing is we saw that uh, officers were having about 65% of their time chewed up on administrative duties, right? So and then the 35% uh, the that was left on interactions was, was being eaten up by windshield time or driving from one location to another. So we knew that we needed to do something to, to give more convenient options 
for officers and supervisees to interact with each other. And then they also, the other thing we noticed uh, from working with research partners and running some of our own numbers is that some of the evidence-based skills that we're teaching, such as ESP and enhanced supervision program, weren't being used as much as we'd like to see. And, you know, and that's, which is understandable considering that a, a field visit or a home visit may not always be conducive with, with using those skills, right? So, you, you know, you've got dogs barking and children crying and all the other wonderful yet noisy things that accompany a home environment. So the last thing we wanted to do was to to go backwards and, and ask people to come into the office. So the uh, video interactions gave us a, a platform to hopefully hold more convenient, meaningful conversations um, without uh, without disrupting um, supervisees lives and, you know, and, and taking them away from their obligations, um, such as work or or any other kind of rehabilitative opportunities to, to sit in an office waiting on an officer. Um, so that was kind of why we why we um, implemented video interactions. And then, like I said, uh, trying to get an idea of how the technology was actually being received. Um, so the pulse survey, basically, we use the word pulse because it's more of a temperature gauge, right? It was just a quick temperature gauge, um, not any kind of rigorous uh, statistical analysis, but we, uh, we surveyed about 200 people across the state to see how they were using, um, how they were receiving the technology. And uh, we did it in five different circuits, uh, tried, to, tried to capture a variety of different uh, areas. And, and we asked them basically just three, three questions about, you know, whether they thought it was a, a convenient means of communicating, um, whether they were comfortable talking to their officer in that setting, and whether they thought that it um, allowed them to have meaningful interactions with their officer. And the, uh, the results were over, overwhelmingly positive, um, with everybody pretty giving, uh, giving uh, their support are for continuing the technology. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, you know, like you said, it, it matters, you know, that we took the time, you know, to really see how, you know, to just, like you said, take the temperature and, you know, making sure that we're meeting our intended aims with these video interactions. And I think that provides a great uh, kind of overview and framework. But, you know, when you really talk about it, the work is getting done on the front lines and Lynn and Bradley, um, I'd be interested, you know, to hear your perspective, perspectives and discussions on, you know, how our use of video supervision is going, you know, on the front lines, especially Lynn, you know, leading in the virtual environment. Uh, be glad to hear your insights and thoughts. Thank you, Brian. Um, DCS is on the cutting edge of technology, thanks to our IT department. And I'd just like to give a big shout out to them and recognition to them. We're able to use the Google platform and are able to assess needed information from any of our devices using our hotspot and other internet sources. Officers are able to contact defenders um, from their home, the officer's home, via video conferencing. And this kind of video conferencing, the officers do not have to worry about their personal safety. And also the offenders appear to be more comfortable in their home environment. And they seem to me to be more relaxed and opening up to the officer and having more candid conversations. Um, the virtual environment has been key for, as far as leadership goes. Um, during the pandemic, we were able to easily transition. We were already doing 
um, all the things that the pandemic and um, was requiring us to stay home, but we were, we were ready for it. Um, we were prepared. We were, we jumped right into supervising the offenders, you know, totally by video conferencing. Um, the staff were able to work virtual. Um, the staff could set their own schedule as needed um, due to family, I guess you just say commitments that they had. Um, and so they would just clear it with their supervisor. They were able to set their own hours. Um, and we, we just, I really feel like we had little to no interruption yeah. in services. Yeah, you really touched on something right there, Lynn, with work-life balance and how leveraging technology kind of has in, helped us enhance work-life balance because that's truly a value uh, for our department. I'd be interested to hear, you know, Sherry, Bradley, uh, and of course, Nick, if you want to jump in, just how and you know impactful uh, work leveraging technology has been for work-life balance and creating those opportunities for uh, for employees. Thank you, Brian. I'll speak um, on behalf of, um, of the Recidivism Reduction Unit. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, um, everyone ran into unique challenges with child care, with uh, children being in school, and parents having to take on um, educational responsibilities as well as their uh, workload. So this has given us an opportunity to take advantage of the technology and to have flexible schedules um, in order to continue to get the work done. With the transition for uh, the counselors and the, and the counseling services, for example, you know, um, where the officers were already um, utilizing technology for offender interactions, the counselors were uh, conducting face-to-face -face groups and face-to-face -face interactions. So they had to be trained on the use of technology. So this was a bit of a challenge for them, but we were able to quickly overcome that because uh, the, my staff were, had already been using um, the virtual platforms in order to provide uh, clinical supervision and trainings for the counseling staff. So with, with the skill set that my staff had and um, with the tremendous help from Chantel Roark with IT, we were, be able, we were able to quickly develop the training that we needed in order to provide the counselors that support in order for them to be able to uh, implement online counseling services within a matter of a couple of weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, I guess about the training aspect of it. I guess how's that been going in this virtual environment? Because training is always an important aspect of recidivism uh, reduction. Yes, well, it's interesting that you you you, you say that because you know with um, basic classes being um, you know a hybrid of online and in person groups, we've been in the process of transitioning to follow that same model. And with the implementation of um, the virtual platform and virtual training platforms and, and with the pandemic hitting, we were it, it was really quite easy, to be honest, to make that transition. You know, it mm -hmm. was kind of interesting that when the pandemic hit, we began getting uh, inquiries from all these vendors wanting to promote their product in order for us to implement virtual uh, practices and virtual counseling. And it was you know, interesting, we would always have to say, you know, we're already doing that. And like Lynn mentioned earlier and, and, and Nick mentioned earlier, we uh, as an agency 
were already um, leveraging technology. So we were just really um, prepared for the pandemic and it was a relatively smooth transition uh, for the counselors to begin using that technology uh, as well as the officers. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess another, you know, aspect of recidivism reduction is interagency coordination. You know, we rely a lot with our agency partners, whether it be DCA or DBHDD. How has that been going on in the uh, virtual environment? Uh, again, it's been relatively smooth. We've been able to continue our um, partnerships and collaboration with DBHDD, uh, the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, um, the Suicide Prevention Coalition, um, and also the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. Um, we were able to, you know, the Georgia Council has implemented multiple resources uh, for virtual self-help groups during the pandemic, because we have to remember that, you know, our, we as, as individuals and our agency have these struggles. Uh, the program participants are still struggling with substance use disorders. And during the pandemic, it, it definitely increases the likelihood of recidivism. So we have been able to, you know, capitalize or take, take advantage of the, um, the online self-helps and support groups that the Georgia Council offers and pass that information along to our participants to ensure that they're continuing to receive those recovery support um, services through the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Well, programming and con treatment continue to thrive in the virtual environment. Lynn, um, is there any uh, where you could speak to the, the frontline officers and, you know, your chiefs and just kind of how, you know, that process is going as far as, you know, making sure that we use these these video contacts as a way to supplement in-person contacts, but not necessarily, you know, remove altogether in-person contacts. That's right, Brian. We're just using the the video just just as a an extra. Um, we're still going out to their homes and verifying their residence, verifying their employment. Um, it's it's helping a lot in D two because um, many offenders live one hour one way um, in the rural areas, and if we drive out in no one's home, we've used two hours of our day. And many of these circuits in these rural areas, a lot of the officers also may work court or have other duties. And the video interactions is really saving time and allowing them to, in a busy week, they could use the video interactions and still get a lot of, inter, you know, a lot of interactions with the offenders or better able to follow up and make sure they're going to, you know, programming that we've made referrals on or community service or whatever their needs are. It's very helpful. Hey, Brian, just kind of echoing some of the stuff Lynn said, like, uh, yeah, the video interactions provide, a, you know, another option for officers to interact with supervisees. So, you know, especially if something happens on the pandemic, a shelter in place is ordered. And, uh, and while we can't do the traditional um, field interaction, um, you know, I think I think Lynn brings up a really good point. You know, those video, video interactions give a platform where, where the other parts of the job can continue, right? So it lets us continue to um, address needs, to, to build rapport, to talk about uh, different issues that the people in our caseloads may be facing. Um, so, so I think that's that's an important thing to keep in mind when you're talking about this technology. It's like it's enhancing the current options. It's not a nothing is is a is a end all be all solution, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that kind of glared out at me uh, from the overview of the poll survey is the the time per interaction. Uh, I think it was like 23 minutes uh, video interactions and uh, six point uh, six and a half minutes uh, in person contact. Uh, you know, that's just helps underscore the point that, you know, the uh, the folks that we supervise, you know, they may feel more comfortable and uh, have more productive uh Context, because like you said, it's not all about context. It's you know, per, you know, getting to what that uh, individual under our supervision truly uh, needs. Uh, Bradley, especially being you know a sex offender officer, um, you care to kind of share your thoughts and perspectives? Yeah, it's you know, as you said with the video interactions, averaging more minutes versus in-person interactions. Um, again, eliminated that drive time between residences. You are able to spend more time providing quality supervision with each defender, each offender. And with the portal being accessed available right there, we frequently get questions asking certain things that we may not know right there at that moment in time. But with the video interactions, we can pull it up and answer those questions immediately. Um, using the technology available to us at DCS, it's been, it really has been a valuable resource for improving the quality and efficiency of community supervision. Um, and there have been a lot of advantages of using video supervision. Uh, staff are still motivated despite there being less in-person office time. And as Lynn said earlier, officers feel safe working from their homes during the pandemic. I can say personally that I had a handful of people on my caseload that tested you know, positive for COVID. And during that time, I was able to do a video call with them while they're at home self-isolating and you know, still able to verify those residences and employments using the virtual environment. Okay. Um, just kind of a general, you know, conversational piece. What have been, I guess, some of the lessons learned, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily throughout the pandemic, but just, uh, you know, our reliance on technology and the and the virtual environment altogether. What have been some of the major lessons learned? And, you know, anybody just feel free to jump in. I know, Sherry, with your uh, unit, you know, this being you know, a wholesale adjustment, I'm sure there have been a lot of lessons learned and, a, you know, a lot of progress made in a short amount of time. So, you know, just feel free to kind of share with our listeners some of the, you know, the lessons learned and, you know, the implications for the future. Uh, certainly, Brian. You know, one of the one of the lessons learned for us is um, while we, you know, offer basic counselor training for new counseling staff, we don't spend a lot of time um, focusing on the techni- technology piece. Um, so, um, you know, as I stated earlier, we work with Chantel not only to um, provide the initial training on Google Meet, but also we're, we're taking advantage of the Google Classroom. Uh, we we um, have conducted a pilot uh, for select counselors to implement the Google Classroom platform as a supplement to Google Meet. And um, that was a, a big success. And so we're in the process now of um, planning a training for uh, statewide rollout for all of our counseling staff to be able to take advantage of the, um, to the, 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 the areas that the Google Classroom offers in addition to um, the, the video component of that. Um, other lessons learned, obviously, with virtual counseling, it has its challenges. Not only do staff need to learn the process, but um, the program participants, you know, sometimes have uh, technology deficiencies or challenges. So through this, we've learned that um, patience and flexibility are very important, but um, we've been able to, to, to definitely work through the kinks. And um, as, you know, it was stated earlier, n- not only 
do the participants or offenders feel more comfortable talking to their officers, they tend to be more open um, and relaxed in the classroom setting um, as opposed to in person at times. We've had a lot of feedback on that um, topic as well. So as we continue to follow the safety guidelines, we will continue to look for, for opportunities to provide training and continue to increase our use of technology without negatively impacting program integrity. Well, good. Yeah. Anybody else kind of want to share their lessons learned and thoughts? Yeah, Brian, I, I would. So, you know, usually when we leverage technology, you know, it, the, the, the objective is trying to gain some efficiencies, right? Right. So, yeah. So I, I've learned that, you know, sometimes we can get so, so uh, focused on, on, how to use the technology to gain efficiencies and our t- IT department is certainly fantastic at meeting those needs. However, you know, uh, whatever the program side is needs to um, put some thought, some tr- strategic thought on the front end as far as where these uh, gained efficiencies are going to be reinvested. Right. So like we, we've done a lot of talking about time and duration of interactions, but like the, I thought the field leadership did a really good job of, what they expected to occur during that additional time, right? And one thing that uh, my team observed was um, field leadership did a lot of messaging about uh, the use of ESP skills and and some of those uh, things that weren't quite where they wanted to be. Um, but, you know, they were kind of, uh, they understood with the lack of time that that could have been a, a driving reason of why they weren't there. So, um, you know, they kind of, in rolling out the technology, they also started messaging the use of ESP skills. And it's no coincidence that as that duration went up from, a, you quoted the six and a half minutes to 24 minutes, as that went up, the use of ESP skills being documented doubled. And I think that's uh, something really to keep in mind of like, a, you know, just gaining efficiencies or time for time's sake isn't inherently good, right? It's what we do with those uh, realized efficiencies. Um, anyway, that, that's a lesson I took away from it. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with what Nick said with, regarding the use of ESP. I can talk personally and say that my use of ESP skills definitely went up during video interactions and many other officers that I've spoken to have also said the same thing. The overall feedback from officers that I've spoken to and offenders as well regarding the use of technology of supervision has definitely been positive. There's been many different situations that I've come across during the time of you know using video interactions that it's, it's helped out a lot for myself. And again, the people I supervise on the case sort of sex offenders, it's, it's helped out a lot. We, we get anonymous phone calls stating many different things. And I can say on one instance, I had a phone call that it was a late Saturday evening saying that one of my individuals on my caseload had minors at his home and they were drinking alcohol. And I wasn't able to physically get there right that moment in time, but I was able to video call him immediately and to confirm that there were no minors in the home as he walked around the house and, he was able to show inside of his fridge to show there was no alcohol. And also just another experience where we have prolees who have ankle monitors on and had a master tamper alert. And I was, again, not able to physically get to the address at that moment in time, but I was able to video call and confirm that the monitor was still on his leg. And, and again, the use of technology, they both agreed at those moments in time that it's, it's a huge, you know, positive for them. And, it, you know, ultimately keeps them being from violation free as well. Those are really great perspectives and examples. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing those, uh, Bradley, that really underscore, you know, some of those intangible benefits of uh, video supervision. Sherry, I believe uh, you were going to say something as well. 
Uh, yes, we were able to um, see the advantages through our number of clinical supervision hours provided to the counselors. We were able to implement, implement a process called the one-way mirror. And that's a technique where our counselors can observe another facilitator in a different part of the state uh, facilitating group, and they're able to uh, you know, see, new, see different techniques, learn new techniques, and also be able to provide feedback to their peers. So that's enabled, enabled us to increase um, the hours of clinical supervision on a monthly basis. So that's been a huge benefit uh, for the recidivism reduction unit. Um, great. Lynn, do you kind of discuss, I guess, some of the ways that managers and our coordinating chiefs, you know, are able to ensure that, you know, these video supervisions, while they are effective, you know, uh, making sure that the cases are still being reviewed? And how does that look in the, uh, in the virtual as well as the video supervision environment, Lynn? Well, Brian, our database, the portal, is set up to flag potential, we call them action items. I guess you could refer to them as potentially a problem area. And the supervisor gets a notification and they're able to go in there and see what the system has flagged and check to see if there was a problem, if there really is a problem and, and what the officer needs to do to correct it. The system also tracks whether or not it's been corrected. And the supervisor can, you know, just with a glance, find out uh, if it was corrected. Um, and we're able to look at other reports in the portal to find out, you know, how the officers are doing making interactions with their cases. And, um, you know, I just want to say, too, hit on what, what Bradley said, um, that, Officers, you know, can see if offenders are at home during the video interactions mm -hmm. and they recognize the home. So, um, you know, that that makes it a valuable tool also. Absolutely. Um, well, I really appreciate you all coming and joining us um, on this episode of our podcast. Um, you know, we all have mentioned how just extraordinarily grateful we are for our IT department and just how... Um, they've kind of led the way um, in implementing a lot of our uh, success with the virtual environment and the technology that we leverage. Um, but before we end, I just wanted to uh, give each of you an opportunity for any kind of closing thoughts or comments or any recognition you'd like to give, uh, not just our IT, but any officers or any counselors that you know have just um, done a great job in the virtual environment. Brian, I would be remiss if I didn't um, call out the center administrators and all of the counselors throughout the state. Um, you know, Absolutely. with it, with it, you know, it was relatively easy for my staff to make the transition with regarding training, but this was a, a very new lift for the counselors and they had a very short time to, um, adjust and they have done so, and they have done a remarkable job with, uh, embracing the, the, the uh, virtual practices, and also with just coming up with innovative ideas on how to um, have a, uh, the, the program participants um, achieve program community service hours. They've been creative with coming up with um, different ways to offer orientation, um, having their multidisciplinary team meetings in a virtual setting. And, um, you know, 
the, the credit, I, I just want to give them credit for the work that they've done to, um, to make this a success. Brian, I, I um, would also like to give credit to uh, Maria Stevenson. She was the, um, the person actually responsible for completing the Pulse survey and its final product that, uh, that you've posted on our website. Um, so I know she did a lot of hard work and I'd like to, you know, also um, shed appreciation to any, any of the officers and circuits that, that participated in that project. I mean, we couldn't, um, we couldn't put that survey together and, and check that temperature if they weren't willing to um, issue the survey for us and, and cooperate with Maria on, on the end product. So I appreciate everybody who helped us. And Brian, um, I would just like to just focus on the officers and other staff that um, have used this virtual interactions to focus on quality interactions with the offenders and meeting the offenders' needs. They've really done a good job. And I'd just like to say, from an officer standpoint, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of, of many other officers as well, we appreciate you know the agency implementing the use of technology and you know letting us be able to uh, accomplish our mission of you know providing effective and efficient supervision okay and please allow me to again express my appreciation for you all joining us today uh to our listeners for more information on our pulse survey feel free to go to dcs.georgia.gov and you'll see the strategic planning and research tab and you'll be able to explore um, all the great publications there and find the poll survey. And also just feel free to interact with our website to learn more about our mission of protecting Georgia's communities as well as providing opportunities for successful outcomes. Again, thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Bradley. Thank you, Sherry. This has been an excellent conversation that I hope our listeners can take away on how DCS is truly leading in the virtual environment and all the many uh, benefits uh, that are about our leveraging to our technological platform avails us to. And so with that, this has been another installment of the DCS one community podcast. Thank you.